0: Hi, I'm your guest host, Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Thousands of asylum seekers, mostly from the Middle East, had been stuck in frigid conditions at the border between Belarus and Poland.
1: These dense forests of eastern Poland and... I got lost in one of them last week for just over an hour. And you're looking at your iPhone and there's something going on there, whether it's the Belarusians or the Poles. Somebody was jamming the cell phone signal or something. So Google Maps wasn't showing me anything around me. There was no roads. Even if I zoomed out, I couldn't see what country I was in. And you don't know which way is which, right? So an absolutely terrifying situation.
0: The Globe's senior international correspondent, Mark McKinnon, recently returned from Poland, where he was in touch with some of the people trying to cross over.
1: They described sort of seeing on Facebook these advertisements that promised them that they would be, uh, it was a very easy trip. I think in one case it was less than $4,000. He was, got to fly to Minsk and then head to the border.
0: Mark's on the show to help us understand how this crisis escalated and why larger geopolitical forces could be behind the situation. This is The Decibel. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So, you were actually in Poland last week covering this. Can you tell us what you saw there?
1: It's really an amazing situation. Uh while I was driving around eastern Poland, the forests that are along the Belarus-Poland border, it was a little bit like driving through not quite a war zone, but an occupied territory. You know, very few civilian cars military vehicles being the only things on highways polish soldiers with balaclavas and automatic rifles stationed in pairs at every major intersection and entire roads that we, we you just can't drive down and towns that you have your they will search your, your the trunk of your car and, and check who the passengers are before you're allowed into to them so poland has closed this three kilometer wide strip along its border with belarus because of This move by the leader of the Belarusian regime, Alexander Lukashenko, where he's brought thousands of refugees and and migrants from northern Iraq, from Syria, from Lebanon, from Afghanistan into Belarus and told them, go west, the European Union is just over there and what appears to be a very blatant attempt to provoke a new migration crisis inside the European Union.
0: You said he's brought these people there. Can you explain how did he do that?
1: So for months now, in places like northern Iraq and in Damascus, there have been travel agents that have been advertising package deals. For several thousand dollars, you can fly to Minsk in Belarus, a country that I'm sure few people in the Middle East know anything about. As part of the package, you're given a several days hotel stay in, in Minsk, and then you're going to be brought to the border. And the asylum seekers are told that from there... It's just a short walk through these forests, and then you'll be in the European Union. You can carry on to Germany, to Holland, to Sweden, wherever it is that you want to go, wherever you have relatives or, or think you can get a job. I was talking to some of the migrants who were stuck last week on the Belarusian side of the border. They described sort of seeing on Facebook these advertisements that promised them that they would be, uh, it was a very easy trip. What I think in one case was less than $4,000. He was got to fly to Minsk and then head to the border. And so this has been going on for months, and really what's happened in the last few weeks is there was this trickle of refugees that were coming into Europe this way. Uh, There were several thousand who made it into Poland and where they're now being held in in detention centers, and some who made it as far as Germany. Um, But what happened recently is is the Belarusians thought, well, this isn't achieving our, our geopolitical aim here. So they... Collected the migrants in, in Minsk, put them on buses and, and, and in some cases had them walking, but escorted them to the to the border to this Kuznica border crossing in northwestern Poland and sort of created this crisis where you have thousands of people just sort of clustered against the fence at the Belarus-Poland border. And Poland responded to this by bringing 15,000 soldiers to its border and effectively creating this sealed off security zone on its side of the frontier, created this, this amazing standoff in the center of Eastern Europe between these people who, who think that they're, you know, just a few kilometers away from new lives and, and a Polish government that's very determined not to let them cross.
0: So what you're describing there really is this kind of a manufactured border crisis then. They've literally consciously brought these people in with that express point of actually um, getting them to, to cross into Europe then.
1: Yes, this is an intentional crisis that has been created by Alexander Lukashenko's regime. As punishment, most people believe, to punish the Polish and Lithuanian governments in particular, but the broader European Union for their support of an uprising last year inside Belarus that nearly brought down President Lukashenko.
0: So why would Belarus want to bring all these people to the Polish border? What, what is Lukashenko's, I guess, aim with this? What's behind all of this action?
1: So the Belarusian government is motivated by two things here, one of which is revenge and the other one is trying to achieve some concrete geopolitical aims. I say revenge because the Belarusian government, Mr. Lukashenko's regime, last year very nearly was toppled by protests that it sees as having been motivated by the Polish government and the Lithuanian government with the support of the European Union, who all believe that the challenger, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, had won an election last year. So he's a personal grudge against the the Poles and the Lithuanians, and, and that's part of this. The other thing is that since that election, since those protests, governments like Canada, the United States, the European Union, have not recognized Mr. Lukashenko as the legitimate president of Belarus. He wants that. He wants engagement, and he's actually gotten that. After a year of being frozen out, he has got two phone calls this week from German Chancellor Angela Merkel, he also wants the sanctions that the European Union, Canada and the U.S. have put in place over the last year to be lifted. It's a little bit like, and it's maybe not the fairest of comparisons, it's a little bit like how every now and again we see Kim Jong-un fire a missile into the sea to sort of get everyone to deal with this regime that is otherwise being ignored and isolated. I think that's one way of looking at what Mr. Lukashenko is doing right now, is he's throwing his toys, he's trying to get the attention of the world, he can't be ignored. You know, I am the strong man of Belarus, you have to deal with me.
0: We talk about the kind of the big geopolitical stuff that's going on here, but really there's a lot of people that are really kind of being used as pawns stuck in this situation. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the kind of treatment that you've heard they've encountered and what you've heard people say about their experience there.
1: So the the large group that was clustered on the Belarusian side of the Kuznica border crossing for the last few days was an extremely difficult situation last week. People were telling me that, you know, half of them didn't have shoes, let alone warm and dry shoes. There was a, a scarcity of blankets and tents. That situation appears to have eased today. The Belarusians appear to have opened up some sort of a hangar or warehouse near the border and they've moved the refugees in there. Again, this is for the television cameras. They're, they're showing off that they're being more hospitable than the Poles in this case. They know, of course, and, and they're not offering to keep these people in Belarus. They know these people don't want to stay in Belarus. So it is, it is very much for a show, but at least it has eased the immediate humanitarian concern at the border still the most dangerous part of the trip is when these people push across the border and, and, and every now and again they do sort of make their way through the border fence it's sort of a barbed wire barrier along the entire border between Poland and Belarus right now and, and the Poles are talking about building a proper wall they get across this using various tools that the refugees say was supplied to them by the Belarusian government and then you end up in these dense forests of eastern Poland and I got lost in one of them last week for just over an hour. And I can tell you that, you know, and you're looking at your iPhone and there's something going on there, whether it's the Belarusians or the Poles, somebody was jamming the cell phone signal or something. So Google Maps wasn't showing me anything around me. There was no roads. Even if I zoomed out, I couldn't see what country I was in. So you really, you know, you can imagine if you've come all this way, you're from a different country, you're from a warmer place, you're not dressed well. The forest that I was in, it was about plus you know plus one, maybe zero degrees, and this was during the daytime still. The ground was, was too cold and wet to make any kind of fire with, and, and you don't know which way is which, right? So an absolutely terrifying situation, and we have seen already deaths, different counts. Some people say seven, eight, some people say 10 or 11 have died, depending on, on how these things are counted. People who died either from a lack of medical attention because they had medical issues and and they're obviously being untreated right now, or simply from the sheer cold as appears to have happened in at least a couple of cases.
0: And what is Belarus saying about about all this? What's their stance on, on what's happening here?
1: Well, Belarus has been been using this as a propaganda tool. Like if you watch what's being shown in Russian and Belarusian media, it's this is about sort of the heartlessness of the European Union, undermining this idea that the West somehow has better values than than these authoritarian states. So you know, this government that last year at Belarus was cracking down harshly on those who dared protest against President Lukashenko. This is not a, a paragon of human rights, but it's been using this crisis, you know, uh, to show that look, hey, they're not they're no different over there in Europe. You know, these look at these poor people at the border. What's not discussed in in the Russian and Belarusian press is is how these people came to Belarus and why they're there and how they're being used in this in this broader geopolitical game.
0: And why doesn't Poland want to let people through their borders? We've talked about kind of Belarus's side of this, but why is Poland keeping their borders shut there?
1: Well, Poland has a right-wing government that has made itself popular in the wake of the great sort of refugee crisis of 2015, 2016. It made itself popular with anti-immigrant rhetoric to a certain extent. It's very popular to take a tough line to say, you know, we don't want these these people from the Middle East coming into our Polish society. I met with one of the advisors to uh, the president of Poland, President Duda, last week, And he said that, you know, it may look like a a tough line that Poland is taking at the border. This may look like they're not respecting human rights by pushing people back across into Belarus. But he says that the Polish government is actually saving lives by sending the message to others, thinking of coming to Belarus and then onwards to the European Union, by showing them this is not going to work. They're deterring others from coming and putting themselves in this risky situation that several thousand people are currently in. Now, that's obviously... You know, the Polish government's narrative, like I said, there's not a lot of public support for for refugees and asylum seekers in, in Poland right now. Although I did meet some absolutely amazing Polish aid workers in the last week who are doing their best to sort of, you know, ignore that narrative and to just help whoever they could.
0: I just want to ask you about a point of terminology here. We, we've talked about refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, also, the term migrants has come up. What is the difference um, between those terms? And I guess why would someone choose to use one
1: over the other? Well, this is a very charged question. There are, of course, a refugee is a, is a political status. You, you get political status once you get to a country, once the host government recognizes that you have a legitimate legal claim to asylum to refugee status in that country. The word migrant has taken on sort of a, a less fuzzy hue over the years, and, and so the Polish government, for instance, points to these people in, in, that are at the border saying, look, these people have thousands of dollars, they're able to pay their way for plane tickets to Belarus, they're in Belarus on legal tourist visas. Belarus is not an unsafe country, you can't call them refugees, they are migrants, they are economic migrants, they're trying to come to Europe because they want jobs. And that's the line, it's, it, it's how you view these people and why they're coming, I suppose. In my conversations with those stuck at the border and in my experience covering refugee crises around the world, it's, it's rarely just money that's the motivator. There's, there's a reason in the case of the people that I t- spoke to at the border last week that they feel like they're not safe back home. Uh, one of them, you know, traveling between Iraq and Iran, he's an Iranian Kurd. He says, like, listen, I can die here or I can die there. I've put my life money into this risk, this trip, and I may as well stick it out and see how this goes because going back is not an option.
0: Mark, you you touched on this a little bit, but I I think maybe we can get into it a bit more directly. For years now, we've seen people from various parts of the Middle East uh, and elsewhere trying to make their way into Europe. Why are people trying to get to Europe? What are some of the reasons uh, behind this big trip, this massive move that many of them are trying to make?
1: I mean, the simple answer is wars. If you look at who is on the move, both back in 2015 and now. Back then, it was Syrians were the biggest group, along with Iraqis and Afghans, that I met sort of moving into Europe back in 2015 and 2016. People who, their homes were, you know, a risky place to live. Um, There's also, you know, a place like Lebanon right now, there's not an actual war happening there, but the country is in economic freefall. You know, these are collapsing countries. People feel there's nothing for them there, so they head to Europe because... It's frankly close, even with Canada and the United States are not seeing this kind of movement because of the oceans in between. But also that it's a better life and and, and they know that there are, you know, human rights are respected in in a country like Germany. And right now it's mostly people from Iraq who are taking this route to Belarus. I imagine if this crisis continues, there are lots of rumors about people fleeing Afghanistan that might start making their way to Minsk if this door remains open.
0: Could you speak a little bit more broadly to how Europe and the European Union thinks about uh, all of these people coming over now?
1: Yeah, it's very important to point out that there are human rights groups like Amnesty International, for instance, that have been harshly critical of the Polish government's behavior towards these asylum seekers. Because, you know, the the law states that if you arrive in a country, you should be granted a fair hearing on the merits of your claim. And then if, you know, if if it's deemed to be spurious, you can be sent back. But Poland is not allowing this legal process to happen. It's simply shoving people back across the border to Belarus, which is getting them a lot of criticism. But not criticizing them are the European Union and NATO. And, and that's because... I don't think either of these organizations wants to see another large movement of refugees into the EU in 2021. They do see this as a very cynical ploy by the Lukashenko regime. And in countries like Germany, where Angela Merkel five years ago famously said, we can do this and welcomed the refugees to Germany, the incoming chancellor is not sending this message as seen as having been a political error by Angela Merkel to have opened the doors back in 2015. Emmanuel Macron in France is similarly facing a challenge from the right wing, from Marine Le Pen. And, you know, it doesn't suit him politically to be seen welcoming refugees the way that they did five, six years ago. So the mood in Europe is not where it was five or six years ago. And Poland is, is, is getting a lot of the criticism, but they're also getting encouraged by some of their allies.
0: And just lastly your Mark, There are still a lot of people that are stuck in in this very precarious situation there in Belarus. And it's now mid-November. It's cold. Uh, A lot of people, as you said, don't have warm clothing. I guess, is that kind of humanitarian uh, side of things kind of getting lost and overshadowed by all the other politics that's actually happening here?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that um, Poland closing the border zone to NGOs and, and to the media has done, we don't know how the people who do make it across are being treated. What we do know is that those left in Belarus were in deteriorating conditions until today when they were brought to this this warehouse, this hangar. But, you know, each night there has been another move by a group of several hundred migrants to try and make their way across the border into Poland or Lithuania into these, you know, dark, frozen forests, and people are dying. And, and I don't see how this situation goes away soon because... Belarus is temporarily giving these people some shelter near the border, but it's not going to send them back to Iraq. It's not going to give them residency in Belarus so that these people are being used as pawns. They've been brought here as part of a geopolitical game that they frankly don't really understand, and they are still in in play. It sounds like they'll have warmer sleeping conditions tonight than they did in recent nights, which is an improvement, but I don't think either side is genuinely thinking about the well-being of these folks trapped at the border. The Belarusians are thinking about how to get their geopolitical aims achieved. Poland's trying to look tough. The European Union and NATO are backing Poland, and these folks are caught in the middle.
0: Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us today and, and help us understand the situation.
1: Thank you for being interested in it.
0: That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman wilms Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks to Mark McKinnon. You can find him on Twitter, at Mark McKinnon. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter, at rw. And you can also email us at thedecibel at com. If you haven't already, please follow The Decibel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.